This is a Hipsters of the Coast podcast. This Doom Travelers podcast is brought to you by Hipsters of the Coast, your destination for magic news, strategy, and entertainment. And by Cast Haven, where you can build your magic collection like a pro. Visit casthaven.com for more information. All right. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Doomed Travelers, the podcast where we talk about magic and play Destiny. This week, we're going to be talking about Magic Origins spoilers. Uh, this is the first official week of spoilers, but also last week there were plenty of uh, preview spoilers, so we're going to dive into those. Uh, and in the meantime, Dave and I are going to try to crush the Prison of Elders uh, on level 32. Uh, joining me this week uh, is Dave McNasty McCoy uh, and Brendan B. Mac McNamara. I'm your host, Rich Stein, who just died. <laughs> Killed by a minotaur. Uh, and we're going to uh, dive right in. So, uh, Brendan, why don't you start us off? We got a, a ton of spoilers already. Uh, looking at the list on Mythic Spoiler, there's just uh, a ton of them. Uh, does anything stand out to you uh, as, as more exciting? Um, well, the, the Planeswalkers are definitely the most exciting cards I've seen. Uh, flip cards are so much fun. And I guess these are the only flip cards, or not flip cards, transform cards, double-faced cards, whatever they want to call them. I think these are the only ones that are in the set. Uh, and we've got a full cycle. Um, and some of them look really cool. Uh, the new Gideon, or Kithion, as he goes by during his time on Theros, uh, is... The Savannah Lions. He's a one mana white two one. Yeah. Except, not only is he a Savannah Lions, you could spend two and a white to make him indestructible till end of turn, which, you know, is good. If that were all that he did, that would be good. You know, that would it would be a very a very playable card in the sense that you could play it early, you could attack, and then you could keep keep him around to make further attacks and make it pointless to block him right. uh, later in the game, but. It becomes even more important because each of these uh, legendary creatures, you know, are embodying the spark of the planeswalker as they ignite and become a planeswalker. And the trigger for Gideon is that if you attack with him and two other attacking creatures at the end of combat, then you flip him. And so the gaining the indestructible is a good way to keep him from dying on that turn. Yeah. You can attack with him and two others, spend the three mana to make him indestructible, and then regardless of anything else that happens, as long as you declared him and two other attackers, he's going to flip. And the flip version is fairly... It has a lot of similarities to the original Gideon Jura from Zendikar. Um, he has the ability to, to make a creature... You can only make one creature attack him, but right. instead of all of them. Which is and, fair, because it was that, that, that ability was pretty good. But go on. Yeah, and he doesn't... He can't kill tapped creatures anymore. But he can make your make one of your creatures indestructible and untap it. So that's another way for him to defend himself. It's a little weird because you make him indestructible and untap. So 
if you do it before combat, so that your creature is indestructible when it attacks, then it will it won't get to untap afterwards. But it, it lasts until your next turn, so you could basically make any one of your creatures be an indestructible blocker to prevent Gideon from getting attacked. And he has the the zero loyalty ultimate of he becomes a four four indestructible creature uh, that doesn't take damage. Which I mean, this is a if you want a one mana planeswalker, uh, this is the closer ever going to get. And yeah, it's. It's, it, it is, I think, essentially a one-mana Planeswalker. And the double-face cards are all pretty exciting. Even even the checklist looked pretty exciting. I don't know if you guys caught that uh, today, but it was on uh, uh, one of the spoilers today. Yeah, if we learned uh, anything from Innistrad, save those. More. Yeah, yeah. Especially, I think they're going to be... I'd imagine they're going to be fairly uh, uncommon uh, for this set because there's a lot of tokens. Uh, Dave, which uh, which which spoilers are, were you uh, most interested in or excited by uh, that came out? Uh, well, uh, I could well, pretend to have looked at the spoiler, or I could just say that the planeswalkers are the only things that I've seen out of the set. So, uh, <laughs> I honestly, when they revealed Liliana, like I, I was convinced <laughs> that this idea would work, and I think after having seen all five of them spoiled officially and unofficially. I, I think it's pretty easy to say that they, they nailed these Planeswalkers. Yeah. Uh, Gideon speaks the most to me because uh, you attack with him and he basically has a battalion, become a Planeswalker. Um, right. And I uh, can't complain about that. So. Yeah, no, I mean, look, I, the Planeswalkers are super exciting. Uh, and, and as a Johnny player, uh, a Johnny uh, <laughs> of the Johnny, not a Johnny, the Planeswalker, yeah. but Johnny of the... Spike Johnny Timmy demographic. Uh, I'm I'm a huge fan of um, like Nissa. Uh, I think the potential with Nissa to try to get her up to uh, seven uh, is pretty uh, sweet. And uh, you know, there's uh, just you know so many cool things you can do with uh, with 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 Jace as well if you want to. Uh, try to mill out your opponent with Jace. I suppose you can try to do that. Um, but, uh, yeah, they definitely, the double face thing, you know, just seems so obvious. And, and when they announced that the set was going to feature stories for Planeswalkers, uh, I think there was kind of this expectation that everyone had uh, that it was going to be uh, double-faced, right? Like, how, how better to do it? And uh, it's funny to read uh, Mark Rosewater's article today and learn what their kind of original ideas were uh, around the Planeswalkers. And, and in case you guys missed it, the, uh, the idea was that there were going to be three cards. There was going to be uh, a legendary creature... And there was going to be a Planeswalker, and these were going to be two separate cards. And then there was going to be some card that somehow uh, represented the spark igniting. Uh, and that, they were kind of struggling with that, uh, like how to represent that, maybe a spell. Uh, but then Sean Main, uh, the lead designer, uh, had the idea of using double face cards, went to Mark Rosewater, was like, is this something we can actually do? Uh, and he was, and, and Mark Rosewater was like, yeah, this is, this, you know, 
this is exactly what we would want to use them for. Uh, and you're right, they, they really knock these out of the park. All five of them are great. Um, I think from a constructed power level, of course, some of them aren't going to be fantastic. Uh, but uh, for the most part, they're, 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 they're all uh, really flavorful, that's for sure. They really capture the, uh, the spirit of what's going on here. Uh, but for my for my money, I am really interested in uh, some of the other some of the black cards, some of the black rares that have been spoiled, uh, namely uh, the demon uh, Kothafed, uh, who's a six six flying demon that has whenever a permanent is put into your an opponent's graveyard, uh, you lose a life and draw a card. Uh, he's a six six flyer. It's not a May ability. Uh, no, it's a mandatory. I, yeah, I don't think it is. I'm sorry, I'm reading it in Italian, but uh, yeah, it has to go for the graveyard from play. So like, you couldn't mill your opponent out and then drop. Yeah, them. yeah. But. It's uh, I, I think it's got a lot of interesting applications for uh, blue black control. Uh, kind of in a in a similar way, you know, uh, it, it reminds me of a different sort of. Uh, what was the, the Sphinx, uh, the Scry Sphinx, uh, the, whenever it hit you, the Scry 3. Oh, yeah, Prognostic Sphinx. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of that. It also reminds me of the one that let you draw two cards whenever your opponent drew a card. Um, yeah, Consecrated Sphinx. Basically, these are the kinds of big flying dudes that uh, traditional control decks want to use uh, to end games, uh, so so I'm I'm looking for, and it's also an interesting combo uh, enabler as well for you know those of you who are fans of Commander, uh, I'm sure you can think of a million ways to abuse that uh, sort of effect. So yeah, I'll just, let you just all. make sure you don't die. <laughs> yeah, I, that I, is, I could uh, see someone someone making like thirty tokens or something, and then having a sack outlet and just sacrificing all their tokens and the player that has caught the fed has to draw 30 cards and lose 30 life or oh yeah i wonder i wonder if you'll see people uh i'm sure you will i'm sure somebody's gonna try to donate it uh to an opponent and then sack all their stuff to kill the their opponent uh (laughs) but the other the other the other black spell i want to i want to touch upon uh is languish uh, and Languish is two black, two colorless sorcery. All creatures get minus four, minus four until end of turn. And the flavor text is, is, is pretty good. It's, uh, the flavor text is life is such a fragile thing. Uh, and that's uh, pretty interesting. But this is... Apparently, uh, this, apparently your hopes for a damnation reprint are also pretty fresh. This is it. This is it, people. This is as close uh, as you're getting. <laughs> Uh, this is wiz- and this is wizards telling you this is as close as you're getting. This uh, damnation's never coming back to standard. Uh, I think that's a safe bet. I'd I'd put uh, I would bet money on that if somebody would offer odds. Um, damnation's never coming back to standard. Will they reprint it eventually in a modern master set? Uh, I think a lot of people are certainly holding out hope for that, uh, but it's. Still not a guarantee, that's for sure. Um, but this is this is definitely this is more in the um, mutilate uh, vein of 
black removal, killing wave, mutilate, massacre. Uh, this is, you know, gone are the days of damnation and plague wind. Um, I don't think we're going to get this, that sort of uh, mass removal uh, like white gets uh, in black. Black's still going to get the best spot removal, uh, kill target creature spells. Um, and it's going to get this kind of infest uh, removal spells, mass removal. But I think the days of damnation and plague wind effects are over. I mean, damnation was a color shifted card, right? So it was not intended to be Black's true uh, space in the color pie. You know, yeah, it, I mean, it, it, it is a potential. Allowed, yeah, I think damnation is one of the color shifted cards that's more reasonable in the sense of it fitting within Black's color pie. But yeah, they clearly are not looking to give Black unconditional wraths. I mean, they just then they also just printed Crux of Fate at five mana. You know, which exactly. sort of does the same thing. I think, yeah, it, it, Crux of Fate has, uh, a, accomplishes a very similar effect. Uh, five mana makes more sense. I think, you know, obviously the problem with Damnation is not uh, entirely what uh, it does as much as it is the mana cost that it does it at. Um, four mana is simply um, too uh, cheap. Yeah, uh, it's very oppressive to aggressive strategy. Yeah, trying to swarm. I the mean, board. I mean, four mana is almost too cheap to get that effect out of uh, white, mm -hmm. right? And and white's the color of mass removal uh, in that in that form. So. Uh, Supreme Verdict needed a blue splash, and Day of Judgment lets creatures regenerate. And, uh, you know, so I think you're really looking at development saying that that kind of effect uh, is going to be uh, five mana or, or up. Uh, but I, I like the, uh, the, the, the kind of super infest, right? Because infest was too black a colorless, uh, and it gave all creatures minus two, minus two, uh, and let you scry. Um, and this is one more mana. You lose the scry ability, but you gain uh, minus four, minus four instead of minus two, minus two. So it's uh, yeah. yeah. Drown in Sorrow is the current reprint of Infest. Right. Thank you. Although so yeah. So I mean, those are pretty interesting. And, and I mean, there's a lot of uh, you know, there's a lot of color pie. The fun, you know, the color pie stuff is very. Uh, very much with the modern, in line with the modern color pie definitions, right? So um, that's a good thing. So, yeah, you know, well, one, it, yeah. one interesting thing about this language spells, because it gives minus four, minus four, um, you know, one of the color pie shifts that they've done recently is they've moved black into more emphasizing high toughness. Yeah. Um, and I could think of two black creatures that you might want to kill that have five toughness. Uh, one of them is named Tassiger, and another one is named Seedrino. Oh, yeah. Uh, and both of those will survive this Languish. Uh, Do you think Languish has a home in Abzan in, in mid-range decks? Or is it more of a control deck card? Or do you think everyone's going to play it? Um, I think that... I think that a control deck or kind of like these mid-range controly Abzan decks can use it, especially if they you know, are playing Seed Rhinos and Tassigers and creatures that survive it. Um, 
it does take care of Wingmate Rock and all of its tokens, and it would be really good against the Abzan aggro decks, you know, if you can eliminate a Fleece Mane Lion that is monstrous, <laughs> you know, and you, it would be very yeah. hard to have a Rakshasa Death Dealer or an Anafenza or a number of these other early aggressive creatures. Uh, it can probably take out Warden of the First Tree until it gets gigantic. Right. So it definitely seems like decks that don't want to die early to aggression will play it. Uh, and it's cheap enough that you could play it against the red decks and just completely ruin them. <laughs> For sure. Um, it might be a little awkward in, like, if you were just a totally blue-black control deck, Enemies. you might rather just play some Crux of Fates and then maybe you have a couple dragons to survive the crux of fates as opposed to this minus four minus four that won't necessarily kill things that you need to kill right but it will kill but it, killing fleece main lion for the next couple months that that's relevant will be very welcome because that's the sort of card that once it goes monstrous a lot of decks just can't deal with it right right so this is kind of a development so, so this card is clearly um excuse me solving some developmental issues Mm -hmm. um, with the format. Uh, how do you guys feel about the two new mechanics? Um, the Spell Mastery, uh, which is uh, it's a, not necessarily a trigger, but uh, uh, like it's a like ferocious or something. Yeah. Yeah, you get a better um, deal if you, what, if you have two instants or sorceries in your yeah, if you have, Yeah, exactly. So like there's a shock that only hits creatures, uh, so it's two damage. Uh, but if you have, uh, oh, fuck, sorry, I'm trying to get killed again. Uh, if you have uh, two sorceries or incidents, it does three damage. Uh, some get an extra effect, uh, like you can uh, counter spell, and then if you have mastery, you scry. Um, so that sort of thing. Do you think that's uh, I, I think it's an interesting way to show uh, growth, right, uh, mm -hmm. of, of a planeswalker. Um, I don't think there's been anything terribly impressive spoiled with uh, that mechanic, though. Um, and of course, the other uh, the other new mechanic is this uh, renown uh, mechanic, and I'm looking for uh, the white uh, the white card that does. So, Knight of the Pilgrim's Road, uh, a white and two colorless. Um, and it's a 3-2 creature. It's a human knight. And what it does is it has Renown 1. Uh, so what that means is uh, when it deals combat damage to a player, uh, if it's not already Renowned, uh, it gets a plus 1, plus 1 counter on it and becomes Renowned. Uh, so it becomes a 4-3 uh, and is considered Renowned. Um, so these, so, so, so both of these mechanics are meant to show growth uh, mm -hmm. in, in, in you, I guess, as a planeswalker. And improve uh, your SAT scores. And <laughs> 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 yeah, renown is a, a good one. Um, Help you guys think spelling, these are, so you don't put a K in it. <laughs> I, I feel like these are. I feel like these are both. Uh, uh, Pretty good mechanics uh, for a core set. Uh, you know, we don't usually get 
new mechanics uh, in core sets. Yeah, I mean, Renown is is a pretty sweet white version of uh, Bloodthirst, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, it's a nice white take on it. Um, I, I appreciate it. I, th I think it's pretty sweet that they... Uh, they made a mechanic specifically for this set, and that it fits the idea of of growth, just like the uh, uh, the stories behind the Planeswalkers and the Planeswalker cards do the same. Right. It's pretty sweet. They've done a very good job. Do you how 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 quickly do you think, Brendan, you're going to find yourself in a limited game uh, that somebody is going to lose because they forgot uh, that spell mastery was about to trigger? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely uh, it's spell mastery is a tricky mechanic because it requires you to track something that you wouldn't normally track, which is the number of instants or sorceries in an opponent's graveyard. Right. Uh, so it does add a little bit of complexity. Um, fortunately, there's not a whole lot of ways to really interact with that. You know, you're not playing like cremate or something. Like right. maybe they have two instants in their graveyard, and then you exile one of them in response to them casting the spell, <laughs> and then they only get the smaller effect. You know, the, those things will come up in modern if any of these yeah. spell mastery cards come up. You know, because scavenging ooze is a card, sure. Um, and people already have that sort of complex interactions. It's a little. There's definitely some room for some trickiness with spell mastery, um, but it looks like the effects they have aren't that game breaking i mean there is the one there's like a fireball or i can't remember what the the x red red spell that's always existed that it's an instant that could hit a creature like volcanic something or other but now right. there's a new one let me see if i can find the name of it it is x x red red it does x damage to target creature and if you have spell mastery it also does it to the controller Right. Uh, so uh, that is a way that you could potentially not realize your opponent could do six damage to you, <laughs> suddenly out of nowhere. Um, so yeah, it's possible that could be. Will die uh, yeah, that could be pretty brutal. Especially, I mean, thankfully in modern, there's no longer uh, cards like uh, Seething Song, but and and you know this kind of card probably won't even find its way into um, like the the Pyromancer Ascension decks, right? But. Uh, you know that's the kind of place where you uh, in modern you're going to have spell mastery pretty fast. Yeah, uh, yeah so you can just go desperate ritual, desperate ritual, ravaging blaze, which is the name of the spell. Right. Then, you know, I mean, so if that takes you up to six mana, and then you so you could do the four nice thing though. The nice play. thing though is that there has to be a target creature. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, but I think yeah, that doesn't target the player. Yeah, I, I just you know I really suspect that from a developmental perspective. There are not going to be any really powerful spell mastery uh, uh, cards. Uh, you know, if I, I'd like to think that development has learned their lesson from things like uh, Dig Through Time and Treasure Cruise. Mm -hmm. So I'm not expecting there to be like a card that says draw a card for like a blue. Mm -hmm. uh, or like a blue and a colorless, and then spell mastery instead. Draw two cards or draw three yeah. cards. Or like, like, like I'm not. I'm hoping they're not going to like toy with a spell mastery uh, ancestral recall. <laughs> yeah, uh, that seems highly that. unlikely. A yeah. spell like 
like one blue blue counter target spell. If you have spell mastery, also take an extra turn after this one. Right, exactly. <laughs> it seems like, like they've learned their lesson, but uh, you know, I guess you can never really put it past them. Uh, so hopefully nothing like that. But I do like these mechanics. I think they really do capture the flavor, and uh, that's really what the set's about. You know, is capturing that flavor. And it's the final core set, so they're going to do some special things. And uh, you know, this is spoiler season's off to an interesting start. Uh, about 80 of the cards have been spoiled, so we still have about just under 200 cards left to go. So it's not like we've seen everything. Uh, we have seen all five planeswalkers, though. Uh, so it makes me wonder what's left. Of course, there's going to be more mythics. Yeah, uh, yeah I think so. the only mythic we've seen other than the Planeswalkers is the uh, Avaricious Dragon. Is that what it's called? Yes. Which looks really sweet. Um, it, yes. Although it does, I don't think it plays well with the dragons from Dragon's Block, or Khan's Block. <laughs> so basically, it, it's two red-red for a 4-4 four, four flying dragon. At the beginning of your draw step, draw an additional card. At the beginning of your end step, discard your hand. Um, right. It looks like this is the kind of card you want to put at the top of your curve in like a very aggressive red deck where you don't really have any more cards left once you play a four-drop dragon anyway. Right. I can only imagine like putting this in a deck with like a bunch of Storm Breath dragons that you then have to discard. And yeah, and you know, it, 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 it'll, it'll, it'll be a tough card for uh, like a blue-black deck that wants to cast Cruxifate and keep its dragons in play. Mm -hmm. uh, but on the other hand, it dies to Languish. So, you know, it could end up being one of those metagame things where uh, are people playing Cruxifate or are they playing Languish or, you know, what removal are you expecting? Because uh, if, if, if the metagame ends up being... Uh, more lang like if language ends up being a card that gets played, uh, then this dragon unfortunately probably won't see a lot of light of day because you're going to play it, you're going to pitch your whole hand, and then it's going to get uh, languished, and that's pretty lame. Yeah, you have to uh, discard your hand the turn you play it before you get the uh, chance to draw an extra card from the draw step. So, unless you can bring it in with either vial or something. You're you're yes. going to run the risk of discarding your Oh my your god, time. ether vial. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to have to be on the other side of that. Uh, <laughs> and to turn ether vial avaricious dragon. Uh, that'll be pretty brutal. So, there is another really cool red rare that's out that is apparently Chandra's parents. Oh yeah, Let's Paya and whatever. Kieran. Kieran Nalar. Sandra doesn't look anything like her parents, but... Oh my god, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> but they look like a... They're a sweet card. Two, two, yeah, 2-2 two, two for 4. I mean, really, it's a 4-4 four, four for 4, because it's a, they're a 2-2 two, two creature, uh, and they come into play with two one one uh, flying Thopter artifact creatures. Uh, so, you know, feel free to combo that with Thopter Foundry, I guess. Uh... And uh, lets you sacrifice an artifact, which those creatures are, uh, to deal two damage to target creature or player. And uh, from a yeah, the, the, those uh, I mean, limited bomb, obviously. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, if nothing else, it's a 
It's a 2-2 two, two that comes with two 1-1 one, one flyers that can also turn into three-mana shocks that you yeah. can throw around. And if you have any other garbage artifacts lying around, you can do that too. It's funny because I, you know, I play Affinity a decent amount in Modern. And at some point I was just you know, trying to think of if there are any other cards out there that like, let you sacrifice artifacts to deal damage. And there aren't that many cards in Modern that are just like sacrifice an artifact, deal damage. Uh, even if they have a mana cost with it. And this is a new one. Um, I don't think that it's going into the modern affinity deck because you're just no, not unfortunately to not. And you're not going to be able to pay two in a red to want to do it. But I'm sure there will be a lot of artifact-based uh, commander decks and yeah. casual decks and potentially modern, or not modern, but standard decks. I, I You know, it's it'll be interesting to see if there's an affinity-like... Uh, constructed deck as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, not constru- uh, sorry, not constructed. I'm sorry, uh, limited deck. Oh, um, yeah. Because um, one of the one of the tidbits that came out today uh, in in Mark Rosewater's article about the design of the set uh, was that the ten planes featured in in the set uh, all correlate to one uh, to a draft archetype. Uh, so the design of the set has ten uh, draft archetypes, um, and I wonder if one of them will end up being uh, artifact-based uh, in some way. Um, one of them will certainly be Burn, <laughs> yeah, uh, which I'm, which will be Regatha for sure. Uh, but they're all two-color uh, combinations, uh, uh, so that's exciting. And uh, yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see. So by by this time next week, we'll have probably uh, much more of the spoiler. Pre-release is July 11th, uh, which means uh, by the end of next week, the full set will be spoiled. Uh, it'll be a nice July 4th uh, gift for all of us from Wizards. Will be the full spoiler for Magic Origins, uh, and uh, we can dive into. Uh, what we think the limited format's going to look like. I might even uh, go to the pre-release. No way. I, I might. I might. It's uh, I got nothing else to do. Dude, that's your first step to another GP, though. Ugh. <laughs> Just uh, don't do the midnight I, pre-release. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, unless you like the midnight pre-release, but yeah, every like I went to a midnight pre-release once, and everyone I ever talked to who went to one always regrets it at about two in the morning. <laughs> You know, it's 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 one of those things. Where I did the midnight pre-release last year for uh, M15. At uh, I was actually on I was actually on vacation with my parents and my fiance, and uh, decided because I wanted to go to the pre-release, but I also wanted to spend vacation with my family. Uh, so I went to a midnight pre-release nearby, uh, and ended up that being a big. Uh, it was fun, but it was also a big mistake. Uh, because I was very tired, but uh, it's uh, yeah, it, it, you know the set looks interesting. They haven't released uh, too much information about the, uh, the 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 pre-release yet, uh, but we will certainly get some more in the near future, I'd imagine. Um, and uh, oh, I just got level thirty-three. So that's a good way to end the night. 
<laughs> so spoilers next week uh, I'll be level 33 for Prison of Elders and uh, we'll be breaking down some more spoilers and uh, check that out so uh, oh is there uh, is there a card in the set that'll tell me how to turn the stream off Hey Guardians, thanks for tuning in to the Doom Travelers Podcast. You can find more at doomtravelers.com or follow at doomtravelers on Twitter for show updates and other nonsense. Make sure to subscribe to Hipsters TV on YouTube for videos of our previous episodes. And don't forget that you can find audio-only versions of the Doom Travelers Podcast on iTunes. For your host, Rich Stein and Matt the Obliterator Jones, I'm David Bones McCoy. See you next time. Nothing bad. William Howard